The majority of podcasts are created by one or two people. They do all of the talking, editing, and promoting. But this podcast is a little different. This podcast is produced by three separate companies working together. And yes, while I already do almost all of the creative work, there's a huge team that handles everything else. First, there's Adam McKay's company, Hyperobject Industries. Then there's 3 Uncanny 4, run by Laura Mayer, our other executive producer. These are the production companies. And then there's Sony Music, which funds the whole thing, pays my salary, and does essentially all of the administrative stuff. The point I'm getting at here is that there's tens of people involved with each and every episode. Which is very strange to me because I'm pretty much the boss. Yes, I'm under contract and I have a producer, but I have pretty much the last word on whatever we end up doing. So when I found out the show wasn't getting as many listeners as we hoped for, as captain of the ship, it was my duty to do something. I'm Ari Kagan. You're listening to Things You Don't Need to Know. And this episode is all about trying to save the show. What do I mean by tried to save the show? Well, let me give you some numbers. When we started, we had a goal of downloads per episode. Hmm. We had a goal of downloads per... Okay. Well, I guess I don't really have the final say over anything. I'm not allowed to tell you our actual numbers, which is really frustrating because, like, that would be a lot more interesting. So I guess I'll have to speak in percentages. <clears throat> if our goal was 100% listenership, we get about 30%. In fact, our most popular episode only got about 60%. Did we set our sights too high? Probably. And it is interesting to note that according to podcast.co, my show is in the top 3% of podcast listenership. But if I set a goal, I want to hit it. So what do we do to fix this? Well, I have a few plans. First, we could become a true crime podcast. Second, we sign a deal with Apple to have my podcast pre-downloaded onto every iPhone. And third, we try some new marketing. So obviously we're going with the marketing plan, but you already knew that because I told you at the beginning, and that's what the episode is called. So I guess you could say, yeah, I did just do that whole segment so that I could make a joke about Apple putting U2 on everyone's iPhone, which I still haven't forgiven them for. My name is Reese Ferguson. Um, I'm an advertising and marketing consultant. Reese is going to help me out and try to get this show back on track. So when you're doing something like this, where do you begin? I do a lot of uh, market research, which actually I believe you did the podcast on, looking into you know who the target market is, um, what the best channel to distribute is. Um, we determine what type of asset needs to be used, what the best channel for that asset is. All of these factors go into it. There's a lot of preparation that goes into actually creating the commercial. I have a little bit of experience with this from my market research episode, and I'm pretty confident in my abilities considering our goal for that episode was to get one of my YouTube videos to hit more than 10,000 views. They usually average about 2,000. And the video I did market research to make currently has over three quarters of a million. The first place to start with market research is figuring out who's actually watching or listening. So far, my podcast listenership is male. Really? Okay, it's mostly young men. This is very similar to my YouTube channel, which is not really that surprising considering, plug your ears here, I'm about to say a bad word. The content on both of them is more or less about me. Something else that might be useful is that when I made that video for the market research episode, the video was actually about sneakers, and that's how I grew on YouTube in the first place, making sneaker videos. So there might be something there. The next step in my market research researching was to learn about how podcasts grow. And what I found is that a lot of the most popular ones have little to no actual marketing. 
They rely on word of mouth and their listeners sharing it on social media. It's organic growth. It's a really cool community experience. And it's also completely free marketing. What I need now is an episode of this podcast that gets my already existing audience curious. Curious enough to listen to it and then hopefully share. But that's not all. I was going to go one step farther and have my friend Seth Fowler, who has a pretty big social media following, be the expert on this episode. The finished product was episode 17, how to make a sneaker from scratch. There's a couple reasons why I wanted to make this specific episode. First, obviously, I thought it would be the most popular given its subject matter. And second, if I made an episode specifically for the purpose of trying to market something, then we would know exactly how much better it did or didn't do than other episodes in this series. So we made the episode, we released it, we put up a YouTube video to draw people to it. I posted it on my Instagram, Seth posted it to his 100,000 plus Instagram followers. And we did all this and it didn't work. How to Make a Sneaker from Scratch was no more popular than any of my other episodes. I don't really know why it didn't work. The only thing that I can think of is that people who listen to my podcast aren't as interested in sneakers as people who listen to my YouTube. Fuck, no. God damn, did I just say that? We're on episode 28, and I finally have started saying listen to my YouTube instead of watch my podcast. That's not progress. I don't know what is. The podcast launched years after I stopped doing sneaker videos on YouTube, but even then, videos about shoes tend to do way better than anything else. I don't know. Well, I'm disappointed that I spent all this time concocting this episode and it didn't work. It's kind of liberating because I spent so long trying to get out of the box of being someone who makes videos about sneakers. But I wasn't about to give up that easily. I was going back to the drawing board and back to that interview with Reese that I'm slowly spreading out so that it makes it seem like I didn't record it all at once. When you're dealing with podcasts, you have a a pretty straightforward audience. What he means by that is people who already listen to podcasts. And actually the way I found out about those podcasts was the way that I would have recommended advertising is advertising on other podcasts, similar podcasts. What podcast did you uh, come from? I think it's called A Hot Dog is a Sandwich. It's the, um, the mythical kitchen one. This is great news because we didn't pay anything for that ad. In fact, it was just a swap. I promoted A Hot Dog is a Sandwich and they promoted Things You Don't Need to Know. This seems like a genius promotion tactic to the point that it's like, why don't we do more of this? I mean, I'm looking at our spreadsheet and some other stuff. Holy shit, we paid dollars for a feed drop. I hated that feed drop too. I thought it was just like so lazy. Wow. I see we also paid dollars for another one. Dollars for something else. Dollars for placement on iHeartRadio Network. What the fuck? To make a long story short, I don't control the ads for this show, which means I can't do one of these ad swaps without involving a whole bunch more people, and that would defeat the purpose of this project, which is me doing all the marketing myself. That being said, cross promoting shows in this way seems to be a great and cheap way to get the word out about not only my show, but whoever else I seem to be promoting. So if you want to do one of these things, send an email to arikagan at yahoo.com and I'll make sure it gets to the right people. What about some other forms of advertising like uh, banner ads on you know the internet or, or even a real billboard? Billboards are fun. I have only had the pleasure of dealing with one billboard client, um, and it's very straightforward. There's a company that owns the billboard, 
Um, you contact them, they give you a quote for how much it is. There's not much of a negotiation. The, the real difficulty with physical advertising like that, especially in this modern age when we have the ability to collect like an unlimited amount of data, is that there really isn't a whole lot of data to be collected with physical advertising, like a billboard. So your level of success is really arbitrary. It's difficult to gauge. My dream of having a billboard in Times Square with my face on it might not be the best use of our money. I needed to use the smallest amount of money to go as far as possible. Luckily, there's a website for exactly that. Fiverr. It's full of industry professionals working for peanuts to deliver you top quality work. Or so I thought. We'll be right back. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When I first logged onto the Fiverr website, I saw a plethora of people offering everything I could ever want at dirt cheap prices. Fiverr is like a digital bazaar full of artists, craftspeople, and really everyone except porn stars selling what they do best or what they saw on an Instagram side hustle page and thought they could do. I poured over countless listings to try to find people best for my job. I will do social media marketing and grow your business. That's 15 bucks. I will be your social media marketing manager, 80 bucks. I will help craft social media marketing posts. That is $25. Eventually, I settled on five different people in the $30 to $100 price range. There was someone who was going to formulate hashtags for my Instagram, someone who is going to Photoshop posts and make the best, most marketable images for my show. And then there were other people who were going to grow my social media. I wasn't really sure what to expect. You know, I, I thought that I might have some success, but I also figured that the Instagram promotion people would probably just be a load of shit. But I was willing to give them all a shot. Thus begins marketing attempt number two, social media promotion. On day one, the first of these Instagram gurus got to work. It cost 65 bucks, and they wanted my Instagram login, which I agreed to give to them as long as they didn't follow and unfollow people. What do you think they did? Well, if you guessed follow and unfollow people until they follow back, you would be correct. 
I would frequently open up my Instagram and there would be random people that I'd never seen before. This really annoyed me, but I was willing to put up with it because I was curious if it would actually work. That being said, I don't think any of these people are going to listen to my podcast. Day three, I was scrolling through Instagram and I stumbled upon one of my friend's posts. Apparently I had already commented on it, with three clapping emojis and two hard eye emojis, which is not something I would ever do. On day four, I received a DM from some lady on Instagram asking if we knew each other. I said, I didn't think so, at which point she sent me something that I had commented on her page. Beautiful, with two hard eye emojis. After finding out about this, I immediately fired my $65 Instagram manager, but this didn't stop them, so I changed my password. But when you change your password, Instagram just lets everyone that's logged in stay logged in. So I reported a suspicious login attempt and finally kicked them from my account. By this point, it was day six. I'd gained 22 followers and everyone else's orders were complete. The next person was a graphic designer who charged me $95 for 10 Instagram posts. You can go to my Instagram if you wanna see them. They're easy to find. They don't look like anything else that I've ever posted before. Basically, it's like 3D clip art, a, a, like a microphone, a bunch of Instagram-like icons, the clip art of my face that we use for all the show advertising, and then some text. I'll read it for you now. Learn something new and be entertained. Check out my latest podcast. They're comically bad. They're so bad that, like, I think it kind of works. Here's another one. Be loud about the things that are important to you. Some of the others are just, like, ridiculously poor quotes. Like, let me read one for you. Dreams like podcasts. Downloading truth in my ears. They tell me cool stuff. Rick Riordan. No fucking way he really said that. Wow, that's a real quote. <laughs> Not only are these posts bad, but like, they just look horrible. I was, I was honestly embarrassed posting them, and this is coming from someone that frequently posts photos of just the sky, like not even sunsets or anything. I just look up, take a photo, and nothing else. Anyway, now that I had these posts, I figured I would go a step farther. So I bought a set of Instagram hashtags. I paid someone $35 to make a custom set of podcast-related hashtags, and three days later, this is what came back to me. A lot of them are pretty straightforward, pretty obvious, like hashtag podcast, hashtag talk show, hashtag discussion. And then there are some ones that are like a little bit different, like hashtag new podcast alert, hashtag instapodcast, hashtag podcast community. And finally, there's a few that just don't make sense, like hashtag wait what, or hashtag let's talk about it. I don't know. I mean, the worst that can really happen is I don't get any likes. So I did a few tests, and the posts that had hashtags got fewer likes than the ones without. Posts with hashtags averaged 81 likes, and those without averaged 87. The only logical conclusion I can draw from this is that hashtags just don't really work for Instagram growth anymore, so I moved on to an action plan. This action plan cost me $35, and it's arguably much worse than anything we've seen so far. This is one of the captions they told me to to put. In asterisks, Kendrick Lamar voice. Sit down, be humble, and I am your support and feedback. Help me refine my content and remind me there's always room for improvement. Can't wait to keep sharing useless knowledge with you guys, in parentheses. Although, can learning how to take over the world really be classified as useless? I'm not even going to read you the others. They're all that bad. I didn't post these because I didn't want to subject my followers to potentially irreversible brain damage. But I think it's safe to say 
that at $35, it's certainly a grandiose use of Microsoft Excel, but you get what you pay for. At the beginning of this whole segment, I told you I bought five of these things. All there really is to say about the fifth is that they tried to hack me. This brought me to a bit of a low point. My first two attempts had failed, but marketing is really all about trial and error. If something fails, you modify it. And I had one last trick up my sleeve, or should I say our executive producer, Adam McKay, did. Did Harry tell you that we will pay for a billboard for you? He did. It's very exciting, but I don't know where to put a billboard. It's kind of... Well, think about it. Okay, I know what you're thinking. Reese told me specifically not to get a billboard. A billboard is going to attack a geographical area, and your podcast is not bound by any geography. But I think I had a solution. I think I had something creative, something fun, something that would get people involved. And that was, if I got a billboard, I could post that billboard on social media, and people would say, Ari got a billboard. And then they might think, oh my God, Ari has a podcast. I'm going to listen to it. And this was my genius plan. The only problem was, I couldn't get any of these billboard companies to respond to me. There's 20,000 billboards in Manhattan alone. The company that controls most of them is called Outfront Media. I emailed and called this company countless times. And the most they ever got back to me with was a follow-up email telling me they were interested. And I was kind of stuck in this loop of emailing companies and not getting any response. And then when I'd sort of forgotten about it, it fell right into my lap. The following audio is from one of our Wednesday production meetings with my producers Harry and Claire. I was going to Staten Island on Monday to pick up my brand new Porsche. <laughs> Relatable. Keep going. And I looked at the billboard and I was like, you know what? The Staten Island Ferry is about a 25-minute commute. You know what else is 25 minutes? Some Thinking of your episodes. Now. Yeah. That's right. Over 70,000 people ride the Staten Island Ferry each and every day. What do you think? I love it. Yeah, a perfect plan. Can we do it? Yeah, why not? If there was anything to make this even better, it's that the Staten Island Ferry is free. So technically, listeners of my podcast were going on a free cruise. No timeshare attached. Advertising services, how may I help you? Hi, uh, I'm calling about ads for the Staten Island Ferry. Okay, can you hold on for David, please? Absolutely. Commuters are well-employed, well-insured, and more likely to own a home and car than anyone else in the city. Hello? Hi, David. I'd like to purchase an ad for my show at one of your Staten Island Ferry terminal billboards. Is this going to be a Broadway show? Uh, something like that. So I made a billboard. It had the name of our show, my face as big as possible, and the tagline, the Staten Island of Podcasts. Nobody knows what it means, but the New York Times said it, so I guess it must be true. I hope you were following me on Instagram in the month of August because it was up the whole time. It was awesome. I took so many photos in front of it and I showed people. I was like, look, there I am, and there I was. I also posted these photos on Instagram and they got considerably more likes, like eight times more likes than the stuff that I paid for on Fiverr, which is like, like, like really good. That being said, the billboard cost 80 times what the Fiverr people did, so maybe it wasn't that good a deal. But at least I got a billboard, and that was super fucking cool. Now look, the unfortunate thing is, it didn't get us any more listeners on the show, or at least we don't have any way of telling that we got any more listeners. But if only one person on their 25-minute commute listened to my podcast and learned something, then I think this was all a success. 
Isn't that right, Adam McKay? We're all just completely happy with what you're doing. We think it's incredible. We all know that it's a slow build. So it's like, we could not be happier with what you're doing. To me, marketing should be about creativity. Ads are boring. We see them all over the place and we try to tune them out. So if you can really make something that sticks, then you have a winner. Unfortunately, I didn't do that. But at least now my face is on a 20-foot billboard. And as always, thanks for listening. Things You Don't Need to Know is a hyperobject in 3 Uncanny 4 production. It's written and edited by me and produced by Harry Nelson and also me. Additional help from Shane McKeon and Nuna Sharafadine. Our executive producers are Adam McKay and Laura Mayer. I just wanted to give a special thanks to Adam. He actually did pay for that billboard himself. And uh, Laura and her husband came up with the tagline, the Staten Island of podcasts, which I think is just, it was perfect. I saw it and I knew that that was the one we had to go with. So once again, many thanks. The show is mixed by Nice Manners. If you like things you don't need to know, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you like the show, leave us a review because that's kind of the best way to get it out there. The more reviews, the more it kind of gets pumped up in the Apple or Spotify rankings. So um, this is my ultimate sell, is getting you to review the podcast. And uh, that's it. That's, That's all I have to say. Anyway, yeah. See you next week.